Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network present the Discover Your Mission series. Now I had been brought up without any prayer, without Bible, without church, nothing of that kind. And so when my father died, I became suicidally depressed. I, I had no desire to live. And yet, by the grace of God, uh, whenever I got to the point of actually taking my life, I always had this interior conviction that if I took my life, I would simply find it again on the other side and it would be permanent misery. But it wasn't until I became a wife and a mother and I began to try and pass my faith on to my children that I realized that everything I knew about Jesus was memorized doctrine. I was a good man, I was a good father, I was instilling the sacraments into my family. Uh, I was definitely not intentional, I was stuck broke in my faith. But what kind of strength did he have? Jackie did not just have a strength of body or baseball skills. He had a strength inside of his spirit, a courageous meekness that empowered him to play the game. And I tell him what is going on with me and he's like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, no, no. I think this is like some sort of miracle, dude. And he's like, okay, you know, of course, but I'll believe it when I see it. Honey, you've been trying to quit and you've been saying this and saying that. And I'm, a, you know, he, his big line to me is, you shouldn't say things <laughs> because I never follow through on them. And so this was week after week, month after month. He is looking at me like, this is a miracle. There is no way that you on your own could have done this. So we are called to sing. All of us are called to sing. All of us are called to express ourselves and join our voice into the unity of the church. Uh, often with my choirs, I, I ask them to listen to each other, to listen to the, the sound that they make together as one. That's what we're aiming for through the harmony or unison, we're aiming for a one sound. You need to decide, what are you gonna participate in? Are you gonna participate in the historic Christian idea of the altar of sacrifice, which is in the Eucharist or not?
Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you all. Uh, here on YouTube, Podbean, Facebook, and uh, whatever channel you're listening to this on, we're glad that you are here this evening uh, as the days get shorter and uh, colder for uh, the next couple of weeks. Uh, thanks for being with us here on Patchwork Heart Ministry and Patchwork Heart Radio. As always, I'm joined by my friend Ann DeSantis. How are you this evening, Ann? Oh, awesome, Bill. Thank you so much. I always love being on Sewing Hope. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful time uh, to be here uh, and to be able to just talk with uh, people about uh, faith and life and uh, uplift them uh, in their journey and in their uh, faith walk. But uh, tonight we have a wonderful guest, so why don't you uh, introduce her to us tonight, Ann? Oh, I'd love to because, first of all, she's a returning guest. Second, she's also been on Journeys in Faith, my show that's on Fiat Ministry Network, which was amazing. And most importantly, she's a good friend of mine, and I'm so blessed by her friendship. So we have Donna A. Heckler, and I'm going to read Donna's uh, auto, or her biography from her awesome book called Marketing God. She is a global marketing executive who has been blessed with a prominent career in the corporate sector recognized as a thought leader in brand and marketing strategy she is a co-author of the book the truth about creating brands people love donna penned the acclaimed book living like a lady when you have cancer after her stage three cancer diagnosis donna is a catholic author and a speaker with a knack for insightful and engaging storytelling and if you listen to the first Sewing Hope episode, you know that that is true. We had an awesome first episode with Donna way back, I guess, a few months ago. <laughs> Seems like a while ago. Um, but she is just an amazing person and an amazing friend. Donna, welcome to Sewing Hope. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Ann and Bill. It's great to see you again. And you're so kind. I love our friendship. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I mean every word. If you know me, you know that's true, right? I it, do. Is, it is a lovely friendship. Courtesy of God, right? <laughs> that's He's the one right. It's so true. He, hey. uh, he always makes those divine appointments. But it's great to have you back, Donna, on the program. Uh, so much fun to have you. Thank it you. Is. I have to also thank somebody else if she's listening right now, because if it wasn't for her... We all wouldn't be together, and Sewing Hope would not exist either. So I want to thank Kendra Von Esch, because way back at the beginning of COVID, I think a little bit before COVID started, she had connected me with Bill and you and some other wonderful people. So not a day goes by that I don't thank Kendra. She's a gifted Catholic author and speaker. So inviting people to check out her YouTube channel at Kendra Von Esch and all of her social media platforms. I'm so grateful. Thanks, Kendra. Yeah, thank you, Kendra. She is amazing. <laughs> she really her. is. Yeah, she, and she's very close to Patchwork Heart Ministry. 
to oh, Fiat yeah. Ministry Network and also the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. Oh, and yeah. we're all so grateful. Yes. And I'm so grateful for you tonight to be here with us, Donna. Well, thank you. Mm-hmm. And likewise, I'm so happy to be here. I was honored to be asked again. So thank you for that. Yeah. Now, last time around, and I want to invite people to to listen to episode one of Donna on Sowing Hope and also invite you to go to Journeys in Faith on Fiat Ministry Network and uh, watch the show because you'll learn a lot more about Donna's life, faith, and mission. Uh, This episode, we thought we could focus on something that's really a wonderful, wonderful thing. It's called Marketing God, and it is a book it's about inspired strategies for building the kingdom. I have the book and I have to tell you all that I love this book. And the book is exactly what it says. You know, as Catholics, especially right now with COVID and everything that we've been through, this is a book that we need and we need to think about because uh, how can we help to let people know about the love of God and, and the gifts of the Catholic Church? That's what this book called Marketing God and what it's all about. So one of the things that we talked about before the show started was, Donna, three elements. And I'm going to share the three elements and you're going to unpack them. Uh, One is facing the fear. Another one is sharing the compelling reason. I'm talking about getting people back to church. And the third is break the habit. So why don't we start out with face the fear? What is this fear and how can we overcome it? So, so Anne, thank you for bringing these up. Um, the past several weeks, as well, months, as we've been going through COVID, um, obviously, first of all, we had to figure out how to reopen the church. Um, and churches are open. They're open in different ways across the country. Um, in fact, across the world. But what I recognize is that people are very afraid. They're, they're not engaging in their faith. They're not returning to mass. Um, I don't know about where each of you are, but where I'm at, we're just not seeing, you know, if, if a church can be at 30% capacity or 50%, it's not getting there. So something's up. So putting on my, my marketing hats, which is, you know, how I made a, a, a life for myself for many years, what I recognized was that whenever there is fear in the center of something, we have big issues. And marketing often has to step in to resolve that. And I'll give you a secular example before we get into this one. If you recall when Tylenol had a scare so many years ago, there were some, some concerns that people were dying from the use of Tylenol. In fact, there were several deaths in um, Chicago. It was tainted, but nobody knew. And what happened? Tylenol had to completely shut down. People were terrified. They were not going to purchase it. It took years to really build that back up for Tylenol. And why? What was the driver? The driver was the fear even when they were able to say, hey, it's safe and we've got solid packaging here and you don't have to worry, the fear lingered. And I'm worried that that is happening for us as as Catholics as we try and return to church, right? There is so much fear out there and the fear is out there because that's what we hear in the media, right? What we hear about all the time is what's going on with COVID. There's reality to the fear, right? Even today, I was on the phone with a friend who just recovered from COVID. This is a real thing. 
So there's reason to be afraid, um, but it's also the only thing we're hearing about. So one of the things we have to do from a, and I'll say a marketing perspective, is sort of hit the fear head on. Yes, people are going to be afraid, but yes, there are things we can do as parishes to ease that fear. There are things that we can do and communicate to say, hey, we're making it a safe environment for you and here are the steps we're taking. And if those things aren't shared, then the parishioners are going to live in the state of fear. So one of the things I've been thinking about a lot from a marketing perspective is if we don't begin to address the underlying fear and give people a reason and understanding of why there is, is the return to mass is safe for them, they're going to have a very hard time returning. So long-winded answer, but you know me. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's great. And, and you know, it's so true because... I don't, I mean, I'm in my mid fifties. I've never seen anything like this. And I know that neither of you have either. I mean, and I don't even know if in, in 1918, when they had the Spanish flu, whether it was to this extent of not being able to do all these different things, you know, of course they didn't have as many restaurants in different public places like we have now that we all had, they had to shut down. But I mean, I've never seen anything like this. So yeah, there's going to be fear, right? I mean, just today in my own state, our governor said that uh, I think effective Saturday evening, uh, which goes into Sunday, that no no uh, indoor dining for the next three weeks. And the gyms have to close down. So, I mean, we hope to God that that doesn't mean that the churches are going to be affected next, right? I mean, that's but, in Pennsylvania. But the other part of that is that's what everybody in Pennsylvania is hearing right now, right? So they're taking in all the things that are closing, all the concerns, and, and they're, they're very reasonable concerns. I mean, we're very worried about, about this pandemic. So then what can we as, as laity, as members of our parish do to help people feel comfortable that there are ways that you can be safe at Mass? Um, on, on Tuesday for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, I was at Mass and a family came in and they came into a row just ahead of me and it, it caused the woman who was in the center pew to only have about two feet on either side of her between the two people. And you could just see the panic from behind. You could see the panic, right? So it just caused me to think, well, what are the things that we can do? How can we communicate that if you're coming in with a family, maybe here's a way that you can handle it, or let's not push somebody aside, or here's what the spacing looks like, but not just to put it in the church, but to talk about it. And I think that's one of the things I'm not seeing a whole lot of is I'm not seeing a whole lot of, here's exactly what we're doing at our parish. Here's what this looks like in the bulletin. Here's how we're going to handle it if somebody comes in. Here are the ushers who are going to guide you if you have a big family. They're just a lot of communication can happen, I think, that can help people understand how they can be as safe as possible in the church environment. Yeah. I mean, and, and safe is a very important word and concept, isn't it? I mean, when you're in this global pandemic and there's nothing that affects people more. I think that when they're scared, I don't want to get sick. I don't want to get anybody else sick. 
So people will not do the normal things until they feel like, hey, this is going to be okay. Right, right. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right about that. Um, now, on your second point, you were talking about here with the points that we talked in, in mm -hmm. advance were share the compelling reason. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. So whenever there is fear, whenever something has occurred from a marketing and communication perspective, we have to give you a compelling reason to behave differently. So if you think, um, actually, in, in the book, Marketing God, I had talked about Chipotle, Chipotle, I always say that wrong. And some of the issues they had with food about a year, year and a half ago with people getting sick, right? And they had to figure out how to craft a compelling reason to say, wait, our food is good. Our food is tested now. It is trusted and it is safe for you to come back to the restaurant. So the question becomes for us, what is a compelling reason that is so profound that people will say, yeah, given that I trust that they're, they're setting church up to be safe for me, and given this compelling reason, I'm going to come back. And one of the things that, that I've harped on probably with you, Anne, <laughs> on my own, is that I just feel like we as Catholics haven't shared enough about the Holy Eucharist and how mm. unique and special that is. Nobody else has that. We have a compelling reason mm. because we're not going to be able to partake in the body of Christ if we don't go to mass and receive communion, if we don't receive the sacraments. So we have this built-in compelling reason but we need to share it. We need to help people understand it. I've, I've been concerned as I research and read and study that maybe we don't have enough Catholics really understanding and appreciating the compelling reason we have. Um, so and all the, the worry and issues with COVID, is this an opportunity actually for us to reintroduce the compelling reason of our faith yeah. and help draw people back to mass? Oh, you know, Bill is nodding left and right. <laughs> Very true. But what you're saying is so true, Donna. I mean, you know, we we have to do a better job to say that, look, you know, Jesus is the 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 best kept secret, I think, in 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 Catholicism, you know? And yes. isn't that oh, yeah. sad to say? Like mm. like, you know, like here this guy that, you know, is wants to dwell within you. That the God that created you wants to dwell within you, you know. I mean, you know, you can't get that anywhere else, but but at the Catholic Mass, you know, and and so that's a compelling reason to show up and to be there and to fight for attending, you know. And and there there are so many, you know, things that we talk about, you know, like okay battling it from a societal standpoint. Well, you know, uh, we, as Ann mentioned, right, we know, well, here the governor's going to shut down this, and well, is it going to... That would inhibit people being able to attend Mass in Pennsylvania if he closes all the churches and says, sorry, you can't go. And then, uh, you know, we are compelled, though, because Jesus is God, but it's also, there's also a little bit of a difference there, too. Yes, we believe in the supernatural power of, of Jesus, but we're also not being reckless, right? We're also not saying, well, you know, I don't need to wear a mask. I don't need to, 
social distance while I'm at church because Jesus is just going to save me. Well, you know, th- there's a big issue with that, and, I, and, I, and I've heard that from a few people. Well, you know, you just believe that Jesus is going to save you and everything's going to be okay. No, we're wearing masks, we're social distancing, we're using hand sanitizer, you know, in our pews at church. So, so but, but the reason to go is still there, right? Like the reason to attend and, and, and not miss is still there, and, and be prudent too, because that's, you know, one of the, you know, cardinal virtues. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. I, I feel compelled to share a little story if I can. It's just sort of a, oh, yeah. a little silly story. Um, but I think it'll sort of illustrate a point. I share this sometimes when I speak, and it's it's the story of a little boy who um, he just knew that mommy and daddy were going to lose a house. They had no money and they were going to lose a house. And he was just so afraid. And he, he went to bed that night and he prayed, dear God, mommy and daddy have to win the lottery. We have to, or we're not going to have a house. Well, they didn't win the lottery. And the next day he's even more afraid because they've only got one or two days left. And so he prays, come on, God, we have to win the lottery tonight. We have to, but we're not going to have a house still no winning of the lottery so now it's the last day and if they don't find money they're out of their house and he goes to bed and he prays dear god please we have to win the lottery and he hears a voice meet me halfway son buy a ticket and (laughs) i love that because i think that's what we're doing when we are social distancing and we're wearing our masks we have to buy the ticket but there's also what you were saying, Bill, that we have the ability to receive Christ in Holy Communion. And if we buy the ticket, if we wear our masks, if we socially distance, and we do what the church has instructed for each particular church, I recognize that they're different, we can go back to Mass and we can receive the Blessed Eucharist again. Oh, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I have to make a shout out to my own church. St. Mary's in Schwanksville, PA, and Father Louis Bellapiti, who has done a tremendous job with clean, like having help, people helping to clean the church, so immaculate, do such a great job with keeping up with all of the regulations. So, and I know a lot of other pastors that do that, including one of our former guests on Sewing Hope and one of our Mercedarian uh, pastors here. Uh, well, he's in Western New York, but um, a friend of Sewing Hope, as Father Matthew Phelan, has done a tremendous job with all the things that he's done, including the holy water where you put your hand underneath and you don't have to touch inside the holy water. It just comes out like, you know, one of those dispensers. Oh, Come on. I mean, <laughs> it's gone all to, to great lengths to keep that church absolutely perfectly clean. Oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah, yeah, you have to give a lot of our pastors and archdiocese and diocese so much credit for doing mm-hmm. a wonderful job with all of this. It's so much to do. It and absolutely is. Yeah. I I've, I've uh, recently some of your your listeners from before may may know that I recently moved down to Florida. So mm. as, two months, I've been going to different churches, um, trying to sort of figure out where am I going to be. And so it's been very enlightening, because I've been able to see so many different practices and different ways that parishes are are handling this. Um, And so I think as I reflect on what we can do from a marketing God hat to help engage people, that there's been learning for me in going to these various churches Mm. and, and 
the one that I'm, I've decided to attend has been fabulous, right? They're just, they're fabulous. And so you, you see the same thing that they have figured out how to take care of it. St. Williams, I'll call them out. Okay. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Now, point three on the list that we discussed is breaking the habit. Can you talk about that? I have to tell you this of all of them is the one that almost scares me the most. This is where my marketing hat is on in a big, big way. Um, and I'll invite your listeners to think about something like what laundry detergent do they use? Um, and if I ask you, Ann, and you, Bill, you know, you may feel free to tell me. I would bet you anything that you're using the laundry detergent that your mom used, that your family used, because traditionally that's what happens. People have habits, and if they don't know how to make a decision, they rely on what mom and dad did. So let's fast forward and think about the habit that has been created because of COVID. All of a sudden, people are in the habit of watching church, watching mass on TV. That's not the same. Watching mm -hmm. it streamed is not the same as going to mass, being part of the community and receiving the blessed Eucharist. Um, they are not having to get up and get dressed, right? They are not putting on their makeup or doing their hair or whatever they're doing and getting the family ready. They're not having to do that. They're watching mass from an easy chair and Habits are really hard to break. That's mm -hmm. why I started with the laundry detergent one, because so many times you just use what you've always used, right? Or what your mother's always used. And it's very difficult to break a habit, um, especially when it comes to decisions or behaviors that require some sort of action. Well, this is a habit. It's becoming a habit for many people. And after what, eight months? of COVID and people not going to mass, I'm very worried about what that means um, for engagement with our parishes. Yeah, agreed completely because the numbers were shrinking even before COVID. Mm -hmm. And now when people say, well, you know, I don't, my archbishop says I don't need to go. And it's, you know, it's not the archbishop's fault. It's not the cardinals or archbishop's fault. They're just going according to what the states and what, you know, what's being recommended. Right. But it is certainly not good for the overall picture of the church. So exactly. Exactly. I was reading a report. It's called the Unstuck Report. It's it's sort of a, a broad report on church attendance. So it's not just Catholic, um, but all but Christians, all, all sorts of various denominations. And they were talking about how so many people are doing everything online and how fabulous that is. And they were really celebrating it in this report. And it was breaking my heart because I'm thinking, no, it, you know, yes, we have the ability to go online and that has been a beautiful gift during this time, but that's not where we need to be to really fully participate in our faith. We, we need to figure out how to get ourselves back to mass. Well, yeah. And you, you nailed it about 10 minutes ago when you said the Eucharist, because if we as Catholics, we don't just go to Mass just for the readings, just to be there. We go to receive Jesus Christ in the, in the Blessed Sacrament. Right. So and nobody else can do that. Yeah. Which is why these reports can celebrate going to a service online. But I, I personally don't feel that Catholics can celebrate that. I, I feel like we need to celebrate being able to go to Mass in person and receive Christ 
in the Holy Eucharist in person. Yeah, and and Amen. and Brian, and being in the Eucharistic presence too. I mean, you know, even even having churches open for things like Eucharistic adoration, you know, yeah. uh, that's that's a huge piece of our faith as well. Like, you know, I I think we lose a lot of people when we begin talking about the real presence because. So many people don't necessarily understand it. Seventy percent of Catholics <laughs> don't understand it, right? So, so when you start, you know, talking about okay, well, here the Eucharist, you know, it's it is Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, contained in this, you know, this this little white host. Uh, but beyond that, it it is once con- once consecrated, it is perpetually Christ until it is yeah. consumed. So. So that's the reason why we have a tabernacle. Like, like you know, this, this you know, echoes all the way back to, you know, the Ark of the Covenant. It goes back to, the, you know, the presence of God in the temple, right? It goes, it, it goes all the way back to that. It echoes all of these things, and that Christ then says, too, that I am going to be with you always, right? I, you know, I am never going to leave you. And, and here's how he does it. He does it in the Eucharist. He's physically present with us, you know. I, I've said it many times in, 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 you know, in different forums, but I, here's, the, here's the bottom line. We're the only religion on the planet that believes that their God is physically present with them on earth. You know, and, and that is a bold statement to make. There's not another religion on the planet that says, yeah, I can point to that tabernacle and go, yeah, Jesus is there, he's alive, and no, he might not look like you know, a, a human person but you know, to the eye, but he's there living and you know it's a it's living flesh uh, of god and so that's a bold statement to make and uh so you're exactly right you know breaking the habit and it's it's hard to do though when we just say ah well that's a that's a piece of bread there that i don't need to i don't need to encounter that i don't need to see that you know so so that's a you're you're spot on i you know i often talk in terms of making lemonade out of lemons um and we've certainly had a lot of lemons this year right? <laughs> with the COVID. Um, but going back to the compelling reason, because so many people don't understand the real presence in the Eucharist, I think the lemonade for us Catholics is that this becomes our opportunity to help educate and share the compelling reason that we have in our faith. That exactly as you said, Bill, you said it so brilliantly, that we are actually in the presence of our Lord, of Christ, when he has, um, when we go to mass, when we go to adoration. And that is something you're right, nobody else has. So maybe in all of this, there is an opportunity to begin to help others who are Catholic understand more deeply this gift that we have. Yeah. And I think it's where, as they say, the rubber meets the road for all of us as Catholics, because how many really devouted Catholics, and I know a lot, excuse me, who prayed for years and years and years for all these conversions of their family and friends and people who go to their churches. Well, you know what? Now, this is the time where, as you said, the only reason, really, the real reason we go to Mass is to get is for the Eucharist, Right. The readings are wonderful, everything, the people are wonderful, and seeing the clergy, everything. But really, we're there for the Eucharist, right? 
So this time where, where a lot of the diocese and archdiocese are actually, you know, having to hold back on this and tell people that they have to go to mass, it makes us look at ourselves and say, you know what, where is that desire? I need that desire because this is something that's much more uh, bigger and, and, and uh, transcendent than my own life is the fact that this Eucharist will last forever. I need to be a part of it. I need to be one with it, with the Eucharist. So it, I can't think of a time that's more important than right at this exact moment. I agree. I agree. You know, when, when COVID first hit, um, I was doing a lot of research, you know, always from a marketing perspective, right? And what does it mean for human behavior? That's a lot of what marketing is. And when it first happened, it was a study I read about, about do first. What did people want to do first when things opened up? And the first thing they wanted to do was go to a restaurant, like 80, 85%. The second thing was go back to church. Mm. And I loved that. And at the time I was thinking, okay, what can we do to help encourage people? They want to go. The churches are trying to figure out how to open, but but unfortunately, it just didn't happen then. So a fear I have, it goes back to breaking the habit, is I, I hope that people aren't losing that desire. You know, mm. the longer you sit and the longer you have a habit, you sort of lose desire for other things. And so, so that's one of the fears I have is how do we help people break this habit of sitting at home, feel safe enough and hungry for the Eucharist and from a spiritual perspective that they start returning again. Mm, Amen. Let me just review those three points again that Donna discussed. She she talked about one was facing the fear and we're we're relating this to what's happening right now in, in our country and in the world. Two was sharing the compelling reason and three is breaking the habit. And these are points that Donna has thought very much about as far as how can we get from point A to point B right now to hold on to our faith and also spread the faith so that after this whole thing is all done, that the Catholic Church is thriving and not just about surviving? Can, can I share a little something? Please. So, so because this is the work I used to do, right, in my corporate world, I'm now putting that marketing hat on for parishes and ministries. So I just thought I'd share with your listeners. I'm working on a workbook that will be made available for parishes and ministries, and it's going to align with some of the chapters of Marketing God, but it's going to be very specific around things that we do on each of these topics. What can a parish do to help their parishioners face the fear? What do they need to share? What are things they can do to help share the compelling reason? And then what are things they can do to help break the habit? I just put that out there because... I, as well as so many, are trying to figure out what are the tools, what are the things that we can do to help our our parishes and and help our parishioners re-engage. So I thought I'd make mention of that. Yeah, it's a good word, re-engage. It is, because that's what it really is, the re-engage. Because they've been engaged at some point, even if it made no sense at whatever point in time, right? Right. Now they're being re-engaged to say, you know what, your governor can close down the restaurants, the gyms and everything else. But you know what, uh, getting to mass and getting to church is, is much different than all these other things. 
Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah. is that what it comes down to? Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, the other thing I think that's uh, really important as well is to remember that I think the personal invitation there too, like, like where, you know, what, what can overcome the fear, I think, um, is, is the personal invitation. Like, you know, co- come with me, you know, come to come with me, you know, join me, you know, in this, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's a strength of, you know, our, our faith on a, on, on a daily basis is the fact that we do have the ability to come together. Uh, you know, none of us were meant for a solo, you know, relationship with God. I mean, yes, we have our personal relationship, but we're also part, part of church and part of worship is communal. So, you know, having somebody say, you know what, yeah, why don't you come with me to this Mass? And yeah, we'll be six feet apart, but we'll be able to see each other. And then maybe, you know, we can go out for that, you know, cup of coffee afterward, provided it's open, right? But, but you know, let's, let's have that sense of community again as well, because I think that that helps overcome the fear, you know, and that's, yeah. and, and, and that's, you know, a large piece of it, even, you know, in, in my work as an Uber driver, I, I love how I use this on the air so much. Uh, the reality is, is that, you know, people, you know, will get in your car and they're just, they're just glad to see another human being, you know, they're just glad to see another human being like, and just want to talk about the weather and talk about, you know, we are made for community. Um, so, so having that, I think that is a key to overcoming that fear as well. Um, the invitation, invite somebody. I completely agree. Uh, You know, chapter four, truth four in the book, Marketing God is um, a truth called everybody owns a brand. And often when I get interviewed, especially there are priests who interview me for radio shows or whatnot, they always have to bring this one up because I think that it was not a concept that, that everybody understood. Now, you know, if you work in the secular world, you do want everybody to understand the brand. Um, but in parishes, that was sort of a new idea. But I think it's really important now. I think it's really important for, to what you were saying, Bill, for the laity, for those who participate in mass to understand what the church is doing, understand how it's addressing the fears, understand the compelling reason. And then you're right, make an invitation. You know, in, in corporate, if I was launching something, I always, I, I would say, start with those who are closest in. So I'd make sure that my senior executives knew what we were doing. And then we branch out and then we branch out again. And maybe we finally get to our customers and which would be like a Walmart or Target, right? And finally, finally, you get all the way out to the people who you want to come in and buy the product or participate in something new. And I think that that's the model we need here as well. Who are the laity who are close in to the pastor, to the leaders in the church? And how can they be the first circle that goes out and says, please come with me? You know, and then they invite somebody and before long, those people invite somebody. But to me, it goes back to that idea that we all own the brand. We all have to be a part of it. It's not just one person who can do this. And then I think if if ever there's a time for the laity to stand up and say, we are Catholic and we love our faith and we want you to come back with us. This is the time. This is the time. Amen. I, I have to commend you on Marketing God. It's it's such a great book. And I'm going to repeat the, the subtitle. It's Inspired Strategies for Building the Kingdom. It's uh, you give a, 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 
how many truths are there all together? I think, is it 38? 40. 40. Okay. 40 different truths and the chapters are short. Now I have to say, I'm very blessed because Donna is going to be working with the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith, where I'm the director. Uh, St. Raymond Anonis Foundation has been a guest on this podcast quite a bit, different friars and such. Um, and it's going to be a blessing to have you help us because, you know, no matter what kind of ministry you're in, whether you're a church, a nonprofit, an archdiocese, diocese, whatever you do, um, it might be a scary thing to say marketing God because you think, okay, business. Well, we're not a business. But at the same time, you can take the messages that you learn in business, right? And you can take them and use them for these other areas, such as the nonprofits and the churches mm -hmm. to help them to grow, to reach people, right? So you're using those, those tactics to reach people. It's a godly thing to do. It's not ungodly to say marketing God. It's really a good thing because we're evangelizing. And I'm Absolutely. so grateful. I can't wait for that meeting that we're going to have in February where you're going to meet with our board and Bill's on the board too. So <laughs> that's well, going to be a great thing, Bill. That's going to be a great thing. Yes. Yeah. I look forward to it. Um, so a few, a few thoughts on the book, Marketing God. Um, first of all, there's a chapter in there or a truth in there that marketing and, and um, branding are not bad words. And it's mm -hmm. because I was often being asked to, after I left corporate after the cancer, I, I was at being asked to do some marketing projects and advising some different faith-based entities. And without fail, they'd say, whatever you do, don't use the word marketing, don't use the word brand. And I'm like, you're missing some really important messaging if I can't use those words. So we talk about that because I do think it's a word, they're words that are scary to those of us who are trying to do work in the faith because we hear marketing and branding and we think big dollars and big budget and secular and bad. But if we can pull the veneer of the, the money away, they actually, those words are really meaningful. And so I, I try and talk about that in the book a little bit so that we're not so afraid of them. The other thing, though, just a counterpoint to that is so the idea for the title came to me at morning mass. And I don't oh, know. Tell that story. I love this. I love oh this. Heaven. So here I am at morning mass and I'm half awake. I mean, at best. Right. And this idea of you should write a book called Marketing God comes to me and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe the devil just gave me that idea because the idea of those two words together was so hard for me. And then I thought, well, wait a second, if I'm any sort of decent marketer, would the devil really want me to write that book? And then my little brain pipes up, well, I didn't say it. And then I'm like, oh no, I bet I know where this idea came from, right? So I have this argument with God all through mass. I'm like, God, the last thing you can do is have a heckler write a book called Marketing God. That's just bad on every level. Um, and it was because that word, I, I know what it means. I, I know what I've done with marketing and secular, and I, I understand the re reaction to it. So we, we finished Mass, and we always say the rosary. When we finished Mass with a, a group of us, and I'm saying the rosary, and this phrase comes to me, and the phrase was, if you can help people be loyal to batteries, can't you help them be loyal to me? I used to, for your listeners who don't know, I used to lead the marketing at Energizer Batteries. So if you can help people be loyal to batteries, can't you help them be loyal to me? And I couldn't say no to that. 
So then I sort of said, okay, I, we'll name it Marketing God. You've got a heckler writing the book, and we're, I'm just going to rely on you on this one, God. So, <laughs> so anyhow, that's a little story of how that came about. Right now, it no, really is it, beautiful. It um, really is. And, and you know, I, I love the title because, um, all, you know, we're all different, right? But I love books that I don't have to scratch my head and say, what is this book about? You know, I think your title says it pretty easily that it's inspired strategies for building the kingdom. You know, I want to make a shout out, too, because we get a lot of diocese, archdiocese, pastors and religious that listen to Sowing Hope. And this is the book that you want to get. I mean, this is an amazing book that's easy to read that will help you to go from point A to point B with what we've just been going through. Right, Donna? I mean, absolutely. Tell them how they can get it. I mean, I'm sure I know it's on Amazon, right? And is so, that yes. pretty much where they should get it? Marketing it's God. On, it's on Amazon. Um, I'll tell you what, the publisher is OSB, our Sunday visitor. And, um, you know, if you're purchasing a, a few of them or if you have any sort of program with OSB, that would be the place to go because they've been doing some different deals at different times. I don't know if there's a deal right now, but um, so OSB has certainly been supporting it um Barnes and Noble any of the places online I mean you can even come to my website and and get it if you want so Donna um, A. Heckler Donna A. Heckler Heckler. and I'll tell you what we've got a new landing page and the landing page is if you just put in marketing-god marketing-god it'll take you right to a landing page around marketing god and take you right into my website so oh I love that because if you can't remember Donna A and there's two A's in there Heckler I know you can remember marketing God. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's an easy one. Well, and you know, I, I I'm sitting here uh, thinking about the God incidents that is um, on Patchwork Heart Radio today as well, because the conversation uh, is is so paired up between the two uh, programs, this one and the other episode of Young Catholics Respond that I uh, that, that was released today. Um, it is it is just and right uh, why the future of civilization depends on true religion. Uh, was a book that we discussed with Brandon McGinley on Young Catholics Respond today. And Burdana, when you were talking, I, it just kind of hit me like, oh my gosh, what a what an amazing pair. Like, <laughs> I'm having a little bit of a deja vu because, um, you know, especially your, you know, your book, um, you know, Marketing God is is right up the the alley of, of, of taking uh, the the faith and squarely putting it um, in in civilization, it's like it's like making God um, come alive in what in in our society, right? I mean, I mean that's and and giving him the the place he deserves, like the first commandment, right? Like giving him the the number one in in our civilization. And uh, you know, when you're talking, it it, it was just such a uh, interesting uh, comment that I had on the air with Brandon. Um, McGinley too was that you know religion and our relationship with God predates society and um, that that's on every level you know it's like when you're talking about marketing God you know why would I why would I market God you know like all that stuff well it's well it's because God predates you know society <laughs> and um, we have to as as uh, Catholics, recognize and take our faith out in a public way. You know, we have to market God. We have to put him out first. 
And, and that is how civilization, uh, that is how our society is transformed. So what you're talking about, what you're doing um, is, I, I was just like blown away just by what you were saying there, because I was like, oh my gosh, what a, what a deja vu. So I encourage people to listen to that. If you want a little bit more and go a little bit deeper as well, uh, you can always flip over to Patrick Hart Radio uh, and, uh, and click on Brandon McGinley as well, because uh, it's a... It's a there, there. It, it's definitely a God incidence today. Definitely a God oh, incidence. Wow, Bill, I can't wait to listen to that. I'll admit I didn't hear it yet, but I, I'm going to listen to that one. Sounds amazing. Yeah. I'm going to layer onto that a, a minute, Bill, because um, when I was working on the book, um, I don't know if I shared this with you before, Anne, but I just didn't think I'd find enough Bible verses for each of my chapters. You know the arrogant secular marketer oh my gosh you know we've come so far and we know what we're doing blah 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 right and i thought i don't know that i'm going to find enough bible verses in the end the hardest part of writing the book was deciding which bible verse to use there were so many for each chapter and it was in the course of writing it that i thought you know when we lost the word marketing we also lost all the things that it meant all the the things it held but Christ had that. That's been in the Bible for years. So every single chapter has a Bible verse that's attached to it and it's very meaningful. But I would tell you there's at least another 10 for at least. Mm. And to me, that was sort of a beautiful awakening that that is an important part of what our faith is. It, it's the sharing and the telling of the compelling reason of Christ and and of what our faith means and can do for all of us. And you're right, the depth of it is is far beyond any one of us. It's from the very beginning of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, praise God, praise God. And you know what? The one thing I think is awesome about your book, I should say more than one thing, is that this is a book that you can really use to better your church community and your nonprofit and yourself for that re- for that matter. So it's not just a book that you read, you put down and you think, oh, well, that was nice. Let me read my next book. This is a book that you're going to use. This is a book that's going to help your organization to get uh, to get more organized and also to think about the way that you are presenting your ministry to others to attract them to, to what you do, right? In a, in a godly way, in a godly way. So I think it's in that way, this is an amazing book that you want to get, Marketing God. Now, I want to make a shout out to people listening and thinking, you know what? It sounds really good because not only uh, the book sounds great, there might be people listening who want to make an appointment or do what the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation is going to be doing with you, where you're going to help us take a look at this whole idea of marketing God and marketing what we do to help others. You know, it's not about making a fast buck. It's about reaching human souls and saving souls and bringing God's love to other people because everybody needs that. And that's what marketing God is about. It's not about just trying to get rich off of the church or off of people. Right. I mean, it's, this is a real life book that's going to help your ministry. And I can't say enough good. So tell us what would be the next step? Somebody's listening and they're thinking, you know what? I want to do something with Donna. I want to get marketing God. What should we do next to reach out to you? So 
so on the website, um, if you go to my website, there are in a few different places, um, contact me forms, especially under there's a, a section around strategy, which is where this falls. Um, and if you contact me, that comes directly to me. And you can say, you know, I'd just like to talk to you for 15 minutes and see if this is something we can do. And I'm happy to do that. Um, so that's usually the best way is just to use the contact me form. Um, you know, we can also, if, if you post notes on, on the, the Facebook, then we can reach back out to you that way. So you can always reach me on, on my Facebook, which is, um, you know, facebook.com, but then Donna A. Heckler um, is my, my name and it's author speaker, I think on, on Facebook, but Donna A. Heckler. But to me, the easiest way is hop on my website, send me a little note and say, Hey, Donna, I heard you with Ann and Bill, and I'd love to ask you a question or two. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk from there because it, you're right. Ann. it's about reaching souls. Yes. It's about reaching souls. That's right. And you couldn't be in better hands than Donna. I mean, she said that she was on the team to help develop the marketing strategy for the Energizer battery, right? And bunny. of course, me being a child of the 80s, I remember the Energizer bunny and how uh, how popular was that? Yeah, yeah. I like to say that I helped to keep the bunny going and going and going. Ha, 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 right? <laughs> well, and going and going. <laughs> it never stops. That Energizer, the Energizer never bunny never stops. Oh yes. my gosh. Like so what's God. next for you, Donna? I know that we're focusing on marketing God, and this is really what's the heart of your work right now is wanting to really, you didn't write this book, as I said, to make a buck. I mean, you, you wrote this book to help people, to help churches and organizations and nonprofits and people right. in general. I mean, you can use this book, even if you're not a nonprofit, this book is good for you just for your own life. And if you have like some kind of a, something special that you're really interested in, in, in promoting something godly that you want to, to promote, or even if you want to let others know and evangelize, right? It's a way to, to evangelize better personally to your friends and family. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be just for churches and nonprofits. Right, right. So, so right now, so it's interesting to me that the book came out um, just a year and a half ago. So August of 2019, and, you know, it takes a while for a book to really get some traction, right? And so it was just starting to get traction then COVID hit. Holy cow, then everything stops. But there's a lot of energy around this book right now. And I, I think it's because of some of the things we talked about. How do we use marketing to help people re-engage? So there's a lot of different things that I'm doing um, around marketing God right now from the, the workbook to I've got some other big presentations coming up. Um, but, you know, even if it is not just about um, re-engaging at church, which I shouldn't have said just because that's a really big thing. Mm -hmm. When I first launched the book, the questions that were coming up as a result of people just thinking about faith a little bit differently were really profound. So my sense is that I'm being asked to sort of dig deep into what I know from a marketing perspective and put it out in different types of writing and different types of speaking. So I'm doing a lot of that right now. My favorite thing is to write and I do love to speak. So um, I've got several other books that I'm working on, but I feel like every time I go down a different path, I get pulled right back to this because I think this is, it, I, 
I suppose this is what God needs me to do right now. That's why I keep getting pulled back. A lot of different layers to what we can do with marketing God. So. Yeah, I think that you said it came out in August of 2019, but with COVID, yeah, maybe a little bit of a, 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 it, it caught a lot of traction in the beginning, but it takes a little longer. And I do think that this book is come, has come out at the right time, the right time. And I mean that because of everything we've all been through. So if you're listening right now, I'm going to ask you to please just go to Amazon and at least read about what this book is about and consider buying, buying it because uh, it's really, honestly, it's, it's for the investment that you'll make to get Marketing God, you will get something out of it. It's right next to my bed, I, right next to my little bookshelf there. And I look at it all the time and I, I just am so thrilled to have this book. Oh, well, thank you. I, so, so I'll hold mine up. I know only Anne can see it, but even I have all sorts of post-it notes in my own copy because as I go through it, different things strike me. And I'm like, wow, this, given this moment in time, this particular topic could be really helpful for so-and-so, or it could be really helpful for such and such ministry or such and such parish. So um, yeah, so I, I use it too, which I'm sure sounds funny for an author to say, but I do. <laughs> yeah, you can, when I, I don't know about you, but when I read things, whether there's something I wrote or someone else, like you can get something out of it every time you read it because different words pop out. Amen. You know, I know that happens with me when I read scripture, the mass readings too. Like one day I might, one, one set of words might pop out and another day, some other set. Mm -hmm. So same thing with when you read marketing God. Well, and I, I wrote the book. I don't know if I had shared this before. My mother had a massive stroke and, and I was um, in Ohio helping her recover and in the hospital a lot. And she was sleeping, but we never wanted to leave her alone. I wrote about half of Marketing God from the hospital room. Wow. And there are many times that I think God God was really busy. He just used my fingers. So I go back to the book. I'm like, oh, that was really good. Who wrote that? Oh, God did not make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you give him the credit. Give him the yeah. credit. Thank yeah. you so much. Uh, I love for you to come back again as a recurring guest. <laughs> I would love to. And also on Journeys in Faith, we have to have you back on Journeys in Faith. So that would that. be amazing. So as we're ending, I know we have a few more minutes. Is there any final words that you have to the listeners? Um, the, the thing that is, is, is striking me as you ask the question is that the reason for writing the book was because marketing is all about helping people become loyal. And the original intention in the book was how do we help people be loyal to God? And I think that that's still a really important thing to consider. I just think we have additional difficulties right now. So as much as we who are faithful laity can help others find Christ and become loyal to God, I think we are doing the work that God is asking of us in his vineyard. So I, I just encourage you to, to be open to what that looks like, to be truly loyal to God and open to the whispers that he places on your heart. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, I Donna, agree. so very much for, uh, for being with us. And yeah, I echo Anne, uh, definitely have an open invitation. Anytime you want to come back on, uh, our show, uh, you're certainly welcome. So thank you so very much for uh, being with us here and, uh, and sharing everything today. Well, thank you for having me. I so enjoy speaking with 
both of you and all your listeners. So thank you so much. Absolutely. God bless you, friend. Thank you. I'm sure we'll be talking soon. <laughs> Sounds good. God bless you both. And blessed Advent and Merry Christmas. Amen. Same to you. Well, folks, uh, this has been an episode of Sowing Hope. Until next time, from all of us here at Patchwork Art Ministry, keep beating to your Catholic hearts and sowing hope into broken hearts. We'll be back uh, next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or AndySantis2. Are you looking for a way to deepen your prayer life and faith this Advent season? A Contemplative Las Posadas by Bill Snyder is a novena that offers reflections based on the traditional Mexican devotion that reenacts the journey of St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem. The ecclesiastically approved devotional is available for purchase for only $4.99 on our website, patchworkheart.org, or emailing info at patchworkheart.org.